are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast. What a weekend, huh? We got a lot to cover. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. I also want to shout out the Locked on Fantasy Football podcast. Your draft is around the corner. You know it. Stop procrastinating and start listening to Vinny Iyer break everything down that you need so you can get an edge on your league. The Locked on Fantasy Football podcast available wherever you find your favorite shows. So, the two major pieces of news from over the weekend that concern the Vikings. Boy, there was a lot going on in the NFL too, but the two major Viking things are the situation with Rick Dennison leaving the team possibly, maybe, probably, almost entirely uh, because he won't take the COVID-19 vaccine. We'll get into that. And also the Vikings signing Dede Westbrook after a long offseason of flirtation and, and rumor and speculation and all this stuff. Pretty sure there was a question about Dede Westbrook in like every Tuesday mailbag since like March. It finally happened. I hope you're all happy. But I want to start with the the Rick Dennison thing because that is a situation that speaks to like a larger situation in the whole league, right? And now Rick Dennison is like the canary in the coal mine for what happens if a coach doesn't want to get vaccinated. So where we stand right now, at least as of this recording, is that Rick Dennison is basically on the verge of leaving the Vikings, call it a mutual parting of ways, but it is directly because he won't take the vaccine. It has nothing to do with his ability as an O-line coach. It has nothing to do with the run game coordination or anything like that. Um, It is entirely purely because he won't take the COVID-19 vaccine. And what that means is that he wouldn't be allowed in the building. If you are tier one staff, which is coaches, that means you interact with all the other tier one staff. So if you're unvaccinated, you don't get to go be around Mike Zimmer. You don't get to go be around Clint Kubiak. You don't get to be around the players and on the practice field and all of that stuff. You basically have to do everything remotely. Well, you can't be an offensive line coach remotely. That's just not going to work. And so they have to, you know, bring somebody in who can do that. And so what the Vikings would do in that situation is promote Phil Rauscher, who is the assistant offensive line coach. He worked under Bill Callahan for a couple of years. He's very young, very green, but he's got some similar influences. Bill Callahan's another wide zone guy. Currently the uh, offensive line coach for the Cincinnati Bengals run by Zach Taylor, where they're doing something similar over there. And Rick Dennison would be out the door. So he kind of has to make a choice. Do I get the vaccine and keep my job or do I give it all up? And He's choosing to give it all up, it sounds like. Now, this is not entirely official yet. Basically, the Vikings have said, hey, if you get the shot, you're welcome to come back and your your job is waiting for you. But at a certain point, if, you know, all of camp starts, you know, the job is filled and now you can't change the coaching uh, structure like in the middle of the season, right? So he kind of has to make this decision. And here's the thing. Rick Dennison is not a popular figure among Vikings fans because he's the offensive line coach. The offensive line is bad, right? And sure, that's fine. But I think this is the best reason that you have to be mad at Rick Dennison, because he is choosing stubbornness over his team. And I think this is goes in the category of Bobby Petrino. I think this is a guy quitting on his team because he doesn't like being told what to do. And I don't really have any respect for that at all. So if you ask me, Rick, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I don't really have any patience for somebody who is going to quit on the team that relies on him over something as stupid as as being anti-vaccination. 
Um, and let me answer a couple of frequently asked questions about this. I've answered a lot of other questions about vaccination in previous shows, but the other couple I haven't gotten to. So let's talk about this. For one, a lot of people say, well, whoa, is this legal? There's going to be lawsuits. Oh, my goodness. And here's the thing. Yes, it's legal, and it always has been legal. The Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission weighed in. Basically, they said vaccination status isn't a, com uh, a protected class. You can't fire somebody because of their religion, for example, but you can fire somebody over their vaccination status. Um, the only way, there's two ways for this to fall under the vaccination, uh, under the Americans with Disability Act or uh, under like a discrimination case. If it's the Americans with Disability Act, it would be if you had some kind of underlying health condition, an autoimmune disorder or something, and you wouldn't be able to take the vaccine, which is true of some people, not of Rick Dennison, or if you had a genuine religious reason to not take the vaccine, which also describes some people. Neither of those things describe Rick Dennison. So this is purely his choice. And the Vikings have basically said, look, we cannot make you do this remotely. If you're not going to be able to come into the building, you can't do the job. It's up to you. And the door is going to be open if you change your mind. Um, but there's precedent for that. Colleges require inoculation to attend them and to teach at them. Other teaching jobs in other schools. I mean, if you don't have your flu shot, you can't be around the kids, right? Uh, healthcare jobs, of course. Anything that involves like international travel, uh, etc. They all have a long history of requiring that you get your measles shot, you get your flu shot, and the COVID shot's no different there. So this isn't some new phenomenon. This isn't some weird uh, culture war weirdness, right? Um, and, and I think people are mistaking this as like a proxy for political opinion, which it isn't. Vaccination is a medical issue, not a political one. And they can a thousand percent fire you for not being vaccinated. They can't fire you for being conservative, and they aren't. They're firing him for being unable to perform the duties of the job. And the other question I saw a lot is, is this a HIPAA violation? Um, no. Uh, HIPAA is for doctors. If you don't know, it is the thing that basically says your doctor can't disclose medical information about you um, unless you explicitly give them your permission. So if you if, if I asked your doctor if you were vaccinated, your doctor would not be able to tell me. But it doesn't uh, really address or, or speak to the relationship between employee and employer. The employer is free to make the decision about whether or not somebody can adequately perform the job. And yeah, medical status is absolutely a part of that. So this is pretty bad news for the Vikings. This is not addition by subtraction. And I don't I think we very, very, very often call things addition by subtraction and they like never are. People called Xavier Rhodes addition by subtraction when he left to the to the Colts. And that was a catastrophe. How many times have we celebrated the exit of one offensive lineman only for somebody even worse to come in and replace him? I don't think addition by subtraction is a particularly common thing. And this certainly is not that right now. You have a very, very green offensive line coach that has to come in. You lost your run game coordinator and he was a good run game coordinator coordinator. Rick Dennison knew how to design a run play, and now he won't be doing that for you. And now you have like a super young, inexperienced offensive staff. Some people wanted a youthful co coaching staff with new ideas and new takes on things, and maybe that'll all work out. But you've got a lot of people that are kind of in the position for the first time, and you just kind of have to hope they're not in over their head. Um, but here's the good news. This isn't entirely official. So now that things got a little more real and maybe now that the job is at stake, if Rick Dennison changes his mind, he can come right back in and we can just all put this kerfuffle behind us. But for the time being, if Rick Dennison does leave the Vikings over this issue, Rick Dennison quit on the team. I don't have a lick of respect for that. I don't have a lick of patience for that. And if I were staffing an NFL team, I wouldn't think twice about him because I don't trust his loyalty.
But it's not all bad news. Of course, the Vikings signed D.D. Westbrook over the weekend as well, so we are going to talk about him, his place in the Vikings, and do his Storytime series entry, because there's only like four of them left, and now he is one of those. So we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to talk about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. If you want to indulge in a late-night treat or something after a workout or even something in the morning that is delicious, tastes like a candy bar but won't weigh you down, Look no further than Built Bar. Built Bar is low-calorie, low-carb, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, but it's like an almond joy. There's a coconut almond version. There's just a chocolate coconut version if you prefer a Mounds bar. There's cookies and cream, chocolate raspberry, peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate, chocolate orange, all kinds of delicious flavors. I recommend the Sampler, which has two of each of the nine delicious standard flavors, and they have some specialty flavors as well. So keep an eye on the website, BuiltBar.com. Keep an eye on that. Check back periodically. See if you can find a special. And when you buy your your Built Bars, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, you get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all one word, at BuiltBar.com. Moving on, the Vikings made a signing to their wide receiver room. Finally, somebody with some experience uh, being on NFL rosters to round out the room. It's a rough room, and D.D. Westbrook helps to definitely round out that depth. D.D. Westbrook, of course, was coming off an ACL, so his uh, free agency period was very delayed. He was coming off that really, really bad injury he suffered against the Chargers, um, and now he signs to the Vikings for, I think the total co- contract value is $1.1 million. That is, for all intents and purposes, uh, veteran minimum. That's the cheapest he could have signed. It was kind of an interesting little saga as he was signing. He apparently agreed in principle to go to Seattle, but before he committed to that, uh, Keenan McCardell, wide receivers coach for the Vikings and was the wide receivers coach for D.D. Westbrook for four years over in Jacksonville, said, hey, come on, give us a shot. You got to come visit Minnesota. And it kind of seemed like he wanted to stay with Keenan McCardell. So I I guess McCardell like hard sold him and he came to Minnesota, toured the facility and all that stuff, and they didn't let him out of the building without a deal. He uh, basically agreed that he was going to sign on Saturday, made it official on Sunday, and now he will join the Vikings wide receiver room. Um, So in terms of the actual evaluation on D.D. Westbrook, I want to put a pin in that because Game Pass is currently updating and so I can't watch the tape in the way like I could watch it like on my phone or something but I don't want to do that so Game Pass will we will just have to wait for Game Pass on that from a stats angle um he's produced about as efficiently uh like as BC Johnson so just kind of a backup quality dude um and he's mostly been a slot receiver which is fine so he basically is like pure competition for Chad Beebe this is your guy who knocks Chad Beebe off if you've been waiting for that so that's going to be I guess my hypothesis that I have to go back later and test but that's going to be where I kind of slot him in for now I think he's a pretty likely guy to make the team I don't think you're talking about whether or not he makes the the roster or not I think he competes with Chad Beebe I, I do think it makes for an interesting uh kind of extra wrench to throw in that wide receiver room because you now have a lot of guys who are sort of pure slot types. Chad Beebe, now Dee Westbrook, you have like KJ Osborne and Amir Smith-Barset and even like Wap Filer. Some of those guys can play outside and have played outside and stuff, but um, you, you have a, a lot more of a glut, a lot more of a log jam for that guy who takes over in 11 personnel and you want to keep Thielen and Jefferson on the outside, say they have like a really good slot or you just want to use, like give them the, the boundary to use or something. Um, and you need a slot receiver. 
that guy has been Chad Beebe, and now there's kind of a big long jam, log jam there. And I think you only really need like two pure slot receivers on your roster, if even that. Maybe you just need one, since Thielen and Jefferson both play the slot a lot anyways. So there's a lot of roster pressure on Beebe, Westbrook, and all the other guys down at the bottom that are going to compete for those slot positions. And I, I don't know, it could be the case that even though Chad Beebe is probably the fourth best wide receiver on the team before Westbrook joined, that he might not make it because of just the redundancy in skill set. Now, I think I, I should probably address the, uh, we'll call it yearly tradition of the Vikings signing kind of random wide receivers. And we think, ah, oh, this guy will be our wide receiver three. And then they like don't make the team or it's like Tajay Sharp where they don't get a pass all year. Uh, so this is that again, this is definitely uh, right up in the same, like, oh, we signed a veteran minimum wide receiver. And then everybody gets real excited about being the wide receiver three. I don't know if you talk about the names that those are and people call it, you know, cite it as this big string of like colossal embarrassments. All of them are like, like minimum deal guys like KJ Wright got a million dollar deal. Aldrich Robinson was like a street free agent in the middle of the season. I don't think Tajay Sharp made as much money at all. So they were all kind of cheap guys in this same range and they didn't live up to the expectations of being wide receiver three because they were like veteran minimum randos. And I don't know why you thought that guy would like get a starting job. And I, I don't think again, this is a hypothesis. I'll go check on it later. I reserve the right to take this back. But right now, I don't think D.D. Westbrook's like a starting caliber receiver. And I don't think he moves the needle. If you had, were one of the people that had this big problem with the Vikings offense, I think it's a legit gripe that they run so much 12 personnel. That means two tight ends and only two wide receivers. And they do that, you know, Irvin, Tyler Conklin versus three wide receivers and just Irv Smith. And they do that all the time because they didn't have three good wide receivers. And it was like, would you rather put on, you know, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith or like have Chad Beebe on the field? And it's kind of, eh, we would have rather had Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, but that takes a lot of speed and hampers you. You can't go as vertical and all that stuff. If you had that gripe, I don't think D.D. Westbrook fixes it for you because I think he's just kind of another guy that's about as good as Ola B.C. Johnson. Now, the Vikings also had a pretty big wide receiver depth problem, a really big what happens if Adam Thielen gets hurt kind of problem. And while I don't think you have like a better back, I don't know, I think if, if you put Westbrook in a competition against Chad Beebe and B.C. Johnson, I think Westbrook's probably the favorite there, so I guess the guy that comes in in you know in uh, relief of uh, one of the major guys getting hurt, you probably improved there, so your insurance policy got better. I guess is a better way to put that. And I think who he pushes off the roster is somebody that it was getting kind of questionable and looking like they were going to have to roster somebody that's maybe not rosterable. Because now, here's the group you have. This is probably the chalk group. You've got, of course, Thielen and Jefferson. You have uh, BC Johnson, Chad Beebe, Amir Smith-Marset, and Didi Wexbrook. That, that's six wide receivers. And before to get to six, you were going to have to roster somebody like KJ Osborne or Dan Chisena or one of the undrafted free agents. And if one of those guys plays well and earns the job over like Chad Beebe, then great, that could totally still happen. But now you don't have to, regardless of if they play well or not. And I think that's good and definitely worth bringing in a guy at the veteran minimum. So I do like the signing. I definitely think that it like helps the Vikings. It doesn't hurt the Vikings. It's basically costless, right? Great stuff. Thumbs up. But I would caution you to get super excited about D.D. Westbrook coming off an ACL, immediately slotting in and being the wide receiver three, because, yeah, I think you probably should have learned that lesson from K.J. Wright and Tajay Sharp and Aldrich Robinson and all the other guys. In a sense, the contract tells you the intention and a veteran minimum contract doesn't mean that that guy intends to be a big, massive part of the rotation and that the Vikings are going to like be an 11 personnel based team anymore or anything like that. That ain't how it works. But D.D. Westbrook's road 
to the NFL was uh, we're going to go with Bumpy. I, I'll explain all, all of that in a second. But first, let's talk about Grambling. Did you know that on mo- most sports books, the NFC North is gone? It's true on Bet Online. And that's because one, another one of the stories over the weekend was about sports books uh, thinking this was SI sourced reporting, basically said, my sources with all the sports book. Uh, said that they thought Aaron Rodgers was going to retire this week, which would be something. Um, so they've all taken the NFC North down. So you can't bet on the Vikings in the, uh, like winning the NFC North or any of those other good ones right now. You can still bet, bet on the Vikings playoff odds. You can bet on their over-under win total. Or you can bet on other sports. You can bet on the WNBA. You can bet on baseball. You can bet on award shows and reality TV and all sorts of crazy stuff at betonline.ag. If you don't have an account yet, no worries. Go set one up for free. And then when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code Locked On and get a little bit of free grambling money too. BetOnline will match half of your first deposit with the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That means if your first deposit is, say, 1000 bucks, you would actually have 1500 total to Gramble with courtesy of betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Diddy Westbrook grew up in small town Cameron, Texas, like 5,000 people in the town. Raised mostly by a single mother in his tiny little house, playing football with the family in the front yard and all the cousins and everybody, you know, everybody kind of lived closer uh, together. And, and Cameron, Texas is one of those Texas towns where everything is football or everything turns into some kind of competition, some kind of game. I mean, I don't know, boys growing up, right? But Cameron, Texas is particularly inundated with football, one of those Texas towns. There is this great story of all the kids, all the neighborhood kids, uh, ripping off the door to Dee Dee Westbrook's grandma's mailbox, like the little door on front, and then they would throw rocks in there. And then that somehow turned into throwing rocks at each other, which sounds crazy, but if you grew up in a rural small town, it makes perfect sense to you. Um, And then that turned into a game of like almost like high stakes dodgeball. And later he credits a tiptoe down the sideline kind of touchdown where he had to like keep his feet and stay in bounds. And he credits it to those days dodging rocks thrown at him by his friends and cousins and family. Um, He first picked up a football at the age of five. He played peewee as soon as he was old enough. Um, but there was also a lot of hardship in Cameron, Texas. It was a small town. It was a poor town, a lot of poverty, tiny community, never had a lot. And that kind of shaped his upbringing, you know, being a country kid, running around trying to chase raccoons and trying to, you know, find your way in life without much. Right. Um, but like I said, football town. And so as a high schooler, uh, D.D. Westbrook was one of those super dynamic quarterback wide receiver hybrid wing T gods that you get in Texas all the time. Um, and the first time he got into a game, so he was a sophomore, he was a backup quarterback at the time. They put him in the game and he just needs to stick to the script. And instead he houses a 70 yard touchdown. <laughs> and the next drive, they're like, all right, well, we'll put you in and we'll do the script this time. And then he's, he houses the next one, 70 yards again. Uh, script at this point completely destroyed because the game situation has gotten out of hand. And in the third drive, he goes in 70 yard touchdown, back to back to back plays. His head high school coach says he's never seen anything like it. And that's the kind of prep you, that, that, you know, gets into the NFL. Um, but his recruiting process had a lot of snags, uh, some more understandable than others. Uh, his grades weren't great. And Cameron, Texas isn't exactly on the map. That is not a uh, a town that the college recruiting process shines much light on. And the other one was that he got in trouble. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think a big one was the injury. And I say the injury. Uh, his senior year, D.D. Westbrook's senior year, he took a knee to the stomach. He was going up for a contested catch. He was wearing a cheap-ish flak jacket because the Cameron, Texas high school 
uh, athletics program didn't exactly have the money for the cutting-edge equipment, and it didn't quite give him the right protection, I guess. And when he came down, he came down hard on the defender's knee, and he ended up injuring his stomach. He ended up rupturing his small intestine. And he could have died there on the spot. They had to put 18 staples in him, and doctors told him that he should never play again. But it's one of those towns in Texas. Football is life. That's not an option. You can't just stop playing. That's just not the culture you were raised in. And that's just not, I mean, that that's like asking you to stop breathing. And then there's the family issues. So D.D. Westbrook had a couple of kids by the time he was out of high school. And one time in the summer before he goes to college, he was trying to see them. And mom said, no, you can't see them. And that got violent. He didn't like that. He broke the window. And the details of how it got violent are important. And I don't really like detailing them. But just suffice it to say, this was a bad incident. And... Uh, the kid's mom didn't want to press charges, but it was all part of the story and this kind of cocktail of things that ushered him to Blinn College, a junior college in Burnham, Texas, which is right between like Austin and Houston, about an hour, hour and a half away from where he lives. And it's at Blinn College where he meets Ronnie Feldman, who was the head coach at the time, and that coach kind of takes him in. Diddy Westbrook was immature. He was a kid. He was showing up late. He always tried to get out of weight training because he didn't think strength was important. He was, quote, very, very lazy in the classroom, uh, hence the academic ineligibility that stopped him from getting any big scholarship offers in the first place. Um, he was playing well on the field, but he wasn't thriving in this new independent environment that is college. And if you've been to college or, you know, the kind of first year you were out on your own, you kind of get it, right? There's a lot of opportunities to go make a bunch of dumb mistakes and make a bunch of dumb decisions, and he made a lot of those dumb decisions. Um, he some days he just walked off the field and he said I can't do this uh, he was playing okay but then he strained his knee and there were continued problems back home that were bothering him this was not a good year of D.D. Westbrook's life and one day he came to his coach and he said coach I, I just can't do it anymore and he went back to Cameron Texas and you know they say eight times out of ten that guy gets a job in town and he lives there for the rest of his life and he's just a guy who spends his whole life in Cameron, Texas around his family and everything grows up, lives, dies and never really gets the uh, great potential that he could have had. And so Ronnie Feldman was like pissed about this. He thought he was giving up so much God given talent. And back in Cameron, things weren't getting any easier. He got in trouble again. Another violent incident with the mother of his kids. This time it was about a positive well, parentage issue. Again, the details I'm not going to go into, but again, suffice it to say, it was bad. And this time she does press charges, but later she rescinds the charges and it all gets a little bit fuzzier and it's all kind of beside the point. So that all kind of comprises what is the darkest parts of D.D. Westbrook's past and the things that he did when he was younger that are simply awful. So he sits out of the 2013 season. And that fall, I'm not sure what happens with D.D. Westbrook, but he comes out with a little bit of a different attitude. Um, he talks about this conversation in the driveway he was having with friends and family about the dream of playing D1 football, how far away it felt, and how time was kind of running out. Uh, and, and he goes to his mom not not long after, and he says, okay, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going back to junior college, and I'm going to go finish this out. I'm going to go get into D1 ball. By then, Feldman had resigned as the coach, and now the coach at Blinn College was a guy named Keith Thomas, who was an XOU guy who had been working at Blinn for, through all of this as well. Um, so at the time, D.D. Westbrook could only see his kids on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So twice a week, 
he would get the kids, drive them out to Blinn, and they can hang out on the sidelines while you practice. And during water breaks and stuff, you know, he would go visit them, check in on them and all that stuff. And that was a deal that Keith Thomas made with him. It basically said, listen, we're going to get you on the straight and narrow and we're going to help you out with your family. And that, I think, kind of got through to him, like that somebody believed in him. You know, somebody was willing to kind of go out of their way to make a situation that worked for him so we wouldn't have to choose between spending time with family and football. We'll say, hey, we can make this work and we can, you know, nurture you. We can support you. And I think feeling supported got him excited about football again and able to kind of move on and, and grow and try to be a better person than he was when he was 18, 19 years old. That year, he plays great. He's like a top 15 player in all of Juco. So he basically gets the entire uh, Big 12 comes calling. And Keith Thomas tells all of his old Oklahoma University cohorts about him. So his visit to Oklahoma was on his birthday, and Oklahoma baked him a cake. And apparently that gesture was the thing that turned out to be important because he turned, he commits to Oklahoma. And at Oklahoma, he totally breaks out. He's one of the best receivers in the conference for the whole time he's there, and the momentum is on. Um, he does, though, have a couple more run-ins with the law back home. One time he gets booked for trespassing, trying to see his kids again, and another one where he was the one reporting on the mother of his kids, basically saying she's supposed to let me see him, she's not letting me see him, and the cops declined to get involved there. But still, it's this kind of dark thing that is just like continues to tug at him and, and pull at him. But on the field, he drinks it in. And if you ask any of his coaches, if you ask any of the adults in his life, they'll all tell you, yeah, he was immature, but he matured over time and he's a great kid and all that stuff. And they, they'll, they'll swear by him. Um, Lincoln Riley especially will tell you how much the kid matured and his mom talks about how much Juco kind of whipped him into shape, kind of got him to behave like a man. So at OU on the field, everything is awesome. He gets a Bilkentoff award. He's a Heisman finalist and then a third round draft pick in Jacksonville. He's a decent wide receiver three for a while. You know, he's playing around uh, with like Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns when they first get there. And then, you know, other people are kind of cycling through Jacksonville. Um, they're He's there for the last of the Bortles years, the Foles year, and he kind of reaches, I think, where his role in the NFL is supposed to be. And then in 2020, he is a healthy scratch. And it seemed like maybe he had kind of plateaued, uh, but to start the season, he doesn't even get in the game. He's a healthy scratch, and that sort of spells the beginning of the end of his time in Jacksonville. A few weeks later, he gets in the game at, on special teams. He's a returner versus the Chargers. Um, he fumbles a kickoff. And the Chargers score on that. And then on the ensuing kickoff, he gets tackled awkwardly and he suffers this terrible, horrific knee injury. And he's still coming off of that knee injury. And of course, uh, Jacksonville doesn't have him back. They got LaVisca Chenault, who was who replaced him in the first place. And over that whole time in Jacksonville, though, he gets to know Keenan McCardell, who becomes another like another father figure to him, another mentor figure to him. And of course, that's why he ends up here in Minnesota. And I think now, I mean, he's not on any kind of contract that prevents the Vikings from cutting him, so he still has to make the team. Don't think that's going to be particularly hard considering his competition, um, but that's kind of where he's at. And hopefully he can kind of revive his career and get back to or even surpass the point where he was at before. But I think it I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a lot of darkness to his story. And I mean, look, people are more than the worst thing that they've done, but it's certainly not something that should be ignored. But that's maybe a conversation for another day. 
I will see all of you guys tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions in. You can send them to me at LukeBronNFL on Twitter or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can also email them to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com or fill out the, the uh, Google form in the show notes. I'm sure you all have a whole lot of questions to ask after the way this weekend went. I will see you all tomorrow with that. Make sure in the meantime you check out the Locked On Today podcast covering everything going on in sports all in under 20 minutes every single morning. I'll see y'all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.